And welcome back to PodPod's mini-series on how to win a British Podcast Award. My name's Adam Shepard, and I'm joined once again by BPA co-founders Matt Hill and Matt Deegan. In the last couple of episodes, we've looked at how to structure a BPA entry and what the judges will be looking for. But this week, we're deep diving into some of last year's winning entries to try and illustrate exactly what it is that separates a good entry from a great one, and how you can make yours stand out from the crowd. We'll be looking specifically at audio entries for this episode, although, as we've previously mentioned, the written entries shouldn't be overlooked either. Now, we've got two standout examples to look at today from Decode, which is a music analysis podcast looking at classic UK albums on a track-by-track basis, uh, the first series of which was Dave's Psychodrama, and Effin Hormones, which is more of a chat and interview-based podcast looking at the menopause and various related issues. I think what's kind of interesting about both these shows is that sometimes people have a, a view on what wins an award, which is usually incorrect because there isn't like a category of like, this is the kind of podcast that wins awards. But if you look at Decode, you know, it's a Spotify original, so it's not available on, on every platform. Also, it talks about music and you know, m- music and podcasts have a sort of odd connection because music rights is often an issue so it's a music show and it's an original on, on a network and, and that one and then i think on the and hormone side that is an independent podcast you know it's not part of a big broadcaster it's a new show as well it hadn't been around for that long when it won its award it was new it was independent it talked about a topic which affects lots and lots of people uh, but isn't necessarily what would be traditionally seen as a super mainstream topic either. So if you're thinking about entering and it's like, does my show fit? I think these are two good examples that, you know, anything can win if it's a great entry and a great podcast. And if you look at the judges citation for uh, Decode, now Decode was the most nominated show at last year's awards. So it was up for best new podcast, smartest podcast, better entertainment podcast. And so they were really sort of hyped for the ceremony, I'm sure. And they actually won two out of those three categories and got a silver at best new podcast, which is really, really, it's a, it's a very tough category to beat. But uh, the judges said for Decode, the winner does what podcasts do at their best. It goes really deep into its chosen topic. And through this narrow focus, it reveals so much about British culture and society more broadly. The presenter and production are exceptionally good, and the podcast treats its subject matter with a gravitas it rarely receives elsewhere in the British media. And actually, that really speaks to something I think that most of the judges on the awards are looking for across all entries is, how original is this? Regardless of it being a podcast, it's like, have we heard this story anywhere else? Um, and if the answer is no, then that that really goes up in their estimation. And this kind of dissection of, that, that is a pun because Dissect is actually <laughs> the show from Spotify that they made in America, which is, this is a kind of a, a connection to. A sort it's, of pseudo spin-off of. The, the best puns are the ones you explain, right? <laughs> it's a really interesting dissection of the psychodrama. And as such, you know, it explores not just the music and does it really, if we hear a clip in a second, I think you're going to hear like a, a brilliant bit where they're breaking down the musical notation of the song. And I love all that kind of stuff, even though I don't personally have 
I can't play an instrument or anything, but I, I love understanding how people have created stuff and how it fits into the whole legacy of the, all the music that's come before it. And I think they've done a really great job of breaking that down in a way that you just wouldn't hear on any other program in any other medium. So I could see why the judges really lent into that. Two thirds of the way into Voices, at its emotional heart, gospel style piano takes us to church with effusive rapture. If Dave's track were a sermon, this would be the rousing moment when the pastor breaks from speaking to almost sing. That chord sequence is B minor, A, G major 7th, E minor, F sharp minor, B minor 7th. In a nightclub, this sequence might signal the break in a song where the drums drop out. An emotional release, a moment of reflection before a track builds back up towards ecstasy. I really like Decode as a podcast. I have listened to more of the second season, which is on Skepta's Konnichiwa, but the first season is fantastic. And yeah, the depth that the podcast goes into in terms of the individual, not even just line by line, but word by word in some cases, and the context it brings to its analysis is really Interesting. Just on that, I mean, pick up on also what what Matt said. One of the things we ask judges to look for is is for for things that you know, work particularly well as a podcast. As I said this before, yeah, this is the British Podcast Awards. It's not the British Audio Awards. You know, we look about the podcast form as well. And yeah, you know, this is the kind of show that probably wouldn't be commissioned as a radio program. You know, they wouldn't allow that much time over however many episodes to be spent on on a single subject. And even in in competitive podcasts. There are shows that analyze music, but it tends to be, you know, a different album or a different song from a different artist per, per episode. So again, it's a it's a special use of the form as well as the, the the quality of the content too. And now if you look at FN Hormones along the same criteria, now there is a show for women uh, who are approaching or going through the menopause at a time which I think has been widely acknowledged within the media. There has been a lack of coverage and a dismissal of, of people's symptoms by the medical community. And you might argue actually that there's there's been quite a lot of coverage of the menopause in, in mainstream media in the last couple of years. And even in this specific entry, they reference Davina McCall's documentary on Channel 4 that, that kind of opened a few doors for these conversations. So Kate Muir, who's um, uh, the producer of the Davina documentary, was talking about a charity that was being set up with Dr. Louise Newson. And this is something that we need to look at in future episodes, because in my opinion, I think that we're getting to a point where we've basically got a two-tier situation yep. in this country with regard to menopause yeah. with women who can afford to make themselves feel better and women who can't and don't necessarily they might get what they need but then don't necessarily get what they need mm. and so yeah i'd be interested to find out what this charity is all about to see whether or not that's actually about helping out with that the thing is there's a massive inequality in women's health full stop yep. yeah agreed not even just to do with menopause it's just so skewed 
I mean, hopefully we can just be part of this groundswell of women coming forward. And coming up soon, you're going to hear from Karen Arthur, who was fabulous on the Davina documentary. And one of the things that she talks about is finding her voice and being vocal. And I think that's part of what Effing Hormones is all about. What I think is really interesting about this show and what it does is it continues that story. So it's not just a one-off documentary on TV that now deal with it. It's We're actually providing a service every week to carry on those conversations, bring more voices into the discussion and really kind of try and expand and build on what's been done for uh, sort of the mainstream media. And so the uh, citation the judges gave for effing hormones was in a category as weighty as well-being in 2022. It's not lost on us when a show can still approach a topic as overlooked and life-altering as the menopause with a sense of humour. Effing Hormones utilises the podcast medium to amplify the voices and experiences of the sandwich generation while creating a private space for listeners contemplating their private personal discomfort, grief and transformation. The team behind Effing Hormones makes a real effort to engage with their listeners and has provided an incredible forum for a huge sector of society who are so often left to their own devices. The vulnerability and the laughter feels like gold, because if we didn't laugh, we'd cry. Which I think really speaks from the heart in terms of what the judges felt the uh, show was bringing to a community and, and bringing people together. And also it shows the care that the judges have in analysing these shows. I mean, both those write-ups uh, incredibly detailed for, for our winners and when our judges meet up to talk about these shows, you know, this is the level of thought that they give to the work. And you might even think, actually, even on the night of the ceremony, you know, these are read out on stage as they come up to the stage. They probably haven't heard them properly. We do put them on the website, but like they are probably in a state of shock <laughs> when you win. You probably don't hear all the judges' comments about how lovely your work is. But um, please do make sure you make a note and check out the website where that detail is. Mm. And just on the subject of the humour that certainly F and Hormones approaches its subject matter with, Looking at the entry, uh, did you think that the clips were a a good mix of different tones and moods? Yeah, absolutely. As we've said before, the opening of your audio entry is really important for the way in which your whole entry is going to be assessed. And I think it was really lovely how they started with a very simple, normal conversation between the main presenters of the show, um, just uh, having a guess at what one of them had paid for a private an HRT consultation, effectively. And so you end up playing along. You've only just heard the entry. You've got no context apart from this one question. And they're playing the game. Is it 200? Is it 500? Is it 400? And you're sort of, you can't help but get involved. And that's that's kind of what you're looking to do with any of your entries is try and be hooked in quite quickly without much context, like throw people in the deep end and make them listen. Are you going to tell us how much money you've had to pay? Yeah, because I'd like to see your reaction. It's good that I'm looking at you on a screen here as well. <laughs> Go on, how much do you think for a consultation and for the blood tests? Oh, 350 quid. I got the price completely wrong and I felt a bit of an idiot when I left. But anyway, that's another story. That's my fault. I'm saying 350. Okay. I'm saying 500, judging yeah. by your, what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think somewhere in the middle, 425. Okay, well, Beena's almost banging the money. It was £495. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah, because I think the consultation was 250 and then the um, the blood test was almost wow. that, that much again. Yeah. Just goes to show. Wow. Do you know what, Matt? That's such a good observation because I 
as soon as you said that, I realized that when I was listening to that entry this morning, I absolutely started doing that and I didn't even realize I was doing it. And in doing so, just was immediately engaged and invested in the show and in their discussion. The other thing that's really interesting about both the entries, actually, and is something that the judges are looking for in their deliberations, is about a diversity of thought within the entries. So that might be in terms of background, but it might also be in terms of perspective. And so looking at effing hormones, what you get is obviously a conversation with the main presenters uh, and their own experiences. And you learn through those episode by episode, but you also have guest appearances and you get people from different backgrounds talking about their experiences of the medical community and of their experiences of, of working with NHS and the medical community with their own diagnoses. And similarly with Decode, you also get a sense of a show which is not just about the music. So there's a phenomenal section in there about the riots of uh, 2010, which impacted Dave and his music uh, quite considerably. Dave was less than a year old in February 1999, when a major inquiry found that the Metropolitan Police Force of London were institutionally racist. As then Prime Minister Tony Blair reflected, the inquiry findings led to widespread calls for police reform. Fast forward to 2011. Dave would be 13. The killing of Mark Duggan following a police chase sparks uprisings across the capital and eventually England, a collective mourning which Prime Minister of the day, David Cameron, dismisses as criminality, pure and simple. Then Mayor of London, Boris Johnson, future Prime Minister, decides to stay on holiday and let the police get on with it. But behind the rush to vilify and punish those who took part in looting and rioting stood a more nuanced and painful truth. This was a community crying out and once again being ignored. And so you're looking at a show that doesn't just hit one note week after week. You want to show in your entry that you are able to push the boundaries of even what your listeners are considering is part of the show and to uh, sort of broaden horizons. Mm. It's about using the clips to demonstrate the versatility of the podcast, right? I think what's important is you are playing against other competitors in, in this space. You know, there are other people in your category and you really have to tune into what's unique about your show and what you put together. That is obviously what you're doing day to day, but also what you're choosing to demonstrate in, in the entries as well. And I think both these entries, as we've sort of talked about and, and you're hearing the clips, have clearly had a really good think about what they're going to include. It's not just like, hey, let's grab five clips from the last couple of episodes. You know, this is clips that do jobs, whilst also being excellent work. The other thing that the judges are looking out for is, of course, quality. They want to know that this is a well-written or well-produced or well-mixed show. And of course, on Decode side, you've got this brilliant sound design that really hits you with a punch from the very first opening moments of the entry all the way to the very last bits. You can tell a lot of time and money has been spent on it. And I mean money in the sense that aside from all the fair use, I'm sure they've used in terms of 
producing the uh, content around Dave's work. You've also got like archive from the Brit Awards, from BBC News and things that will have had to have been paid for. At Podcast Day 24, our lovely host Rihanna Dillon was interviewing the Decode guys on stage and Axel Cucutier, who did the sound design for Decode, was talking about all the Foley effects that they got on all the field recordings and someone sitting on a bus to strut them up and down to get all of the stop announcements and all of that kind of stuff. Tuesday, 23rd of January, 2018. A young man rises from bed late. He's on his way to a recording studio in southwest London, head buzzing with ideas, notes app in his phone, full of lyrics. He's an MC, producer, grade seven pianist. Today, he starts work on his first album a long player designed to take us deep into his mind. It creates such a vivid soundscape that really draws you into the world of the album and of the podcast. But I think it counterpoints really nicely against the, I think it's fair to say, comparatively lo-fi effing hormones soundscape, which I believe is largely done over Zoom. I think I'm right in saying. Yeah. I think what's interesting about effing hormones is that even if you don't have much money or any money to produce your show, it can still sound of a high quality. You know, I mean, the main presenters all have decent mics, you know, they and they're close mics and they've thought about their surroundings so that they're not being distracted by exterior noise. And then, yes, some of the guests are remote and they're on a, a less than professional line, as in like they don't have an external mic plugged into their computer, but they've cleaned it up and it sounds nice and it doesn't put you off what they say. Uh, it sounds real. And in effect, that's an aesthetic that I think uh, a lot of listeners and judges really appeal to. So, you know, what quality means is largely about your definition of quality. So if the show works for your audience and it's clear and it's easy to understand, then that's a good badge of quality. If you have a ton of money to throw at a show and it wants, you want it to make it sound like a million bucks, then it better sound like a million bucks. And Decode certainly does. Also, I think when you think about quality, sometimes I think about the word care, you know, what care of people put into their show, whatever their, whatever their budget. And we talk about those Foley sound effects. Um, that's someone sitting on a tube going to get them. It's not hugely expensive to do that. Some of the things might have been expensive, but, you know, they've taken the time to to add to, to, to their production. Uh, and I think everybody on their shows, and I think we're all sometimes guilty of maybe not taking 100% care of, of the shows that, that, that we put out, out. And then sometimes we put a lot, a lot of effort in and, and take a lot of care. And again, with the awards, the, the shows that win to kind of truly excellent productions. And there's a whole, as we've talked about over this series, there's a whole range of things that input into that. But I think trying to take care in however you make it is probably a good thing to keep front of mind. And also maybe like not for this year, but for next year, uh, when you think about what do we need to do to our show, our existing show, is maybe think about some of the things that, that we've talked about, which would make it a better listening experience for your existing audience too. So one of the things I liked about Effing Hormones entry is that it uses the clips it has to showcase some of the guests as well as the hosts. Basically, when you Google menopause and click images, now you get more people. You might even see me. <laughs> and you get, you know, a lot of lavender for some reason. Lavender infographics. Um, <laughs> oh, very strange. So true. 
I know, yeah. right? What? Know. Who chose that? It's the pastels. I, it's a, why the pastels? Right. So, uh, or you got a lot of at the time. You got a lot of sad, silver-haired white women with their heads in fridges or their heads in their hands. And I thought that doesn't represent anybody I know. Full stop. But also, doesn't represent me. I wanted to sort of see whatever other people, how the, how black women were coping. So I started some research. And then that led to the podcast. And Karen, why do you think that is? Why do you think it is that something so so sort of medical that everybody goes through, um, the female species, has been so whitewashed and there aren't there haven't been enough black people or people of colour actually talking about it? Because it's always like that. I wanted to get a sense of how you guys felt about the blend of guest versus host in an ideal entry. Is there a right balance of the presenters and the people that they've brought in? Uh, there's no easy answer. I think both are important. But you've got to think about what, what are we looking for? What are the judges looking for? I guess they're looking for a great question and a great answer. So what does a great question mean? A great question is something different or something told in a different way or something that generates a different kind of response. You know, tell us about the film is probably not an award-winning question, but going, <laughs> I heard that on the set, you only did this and this, did this affect your performance? That's a different question, which will get a different response. And I think the response is about you know what is produced. You don't have to just put someone's full answer. It might be an edited version of an answer. You know, you might cut together their answers to form a better response to to the question. I don't think we're looking for a standalone great answer that they happen to spout. It's what led up to that, and then how was that produced into the podcast? I think it's difficult to win if it's just question answer question answer. But again, if you're demonstrating a variety of skills around both the questioning and the answering, then that that elevates that show. One of the things I liked about Effin Hormones and their entry is that in I think a few of the clips that they used, what they had was they had one of their guests, you know, talking about something, an issue that had affected them. And then the presenter using that as a jumping off point to kind of reply with some of their own experiences, which A, showcased the kind of thoughtful conversation and the engaged conversation that the presenters are having with guests rather than it just being question, answer, question, answer, but also is a good showcase for both the insight of the guests that you're getting on and the personality of the presenters at the same time. I thought that was a really effective way of building that into your kind of clip selection. I think there's something in structure there as well, both structure of the show and structure of the entries. You know, hmm. there is some some thought about, you know, the, the nature of the program, which you want to obviously get across in your clips without saying, first of all, there is an intro, then we have a chat about the week, and then we whatever. You could demonstrate that in the audio. Um, and then also collecting the best examples of that. Cause I'm sure, you know, like every show, there's great examples of that, and there's probably less great examples of that. So it's it's finding the best material. Yeah. And talking about setting up the sort of structure of the show. I liked that Decode's first clip was the very start of the very first episode, which does act as a sort of thesis statement of sorts. It kind of lays out, right, here's what the podcast is. Here's how we're going to approach it. Here's setting the scene for everything, both the podcast and the album. If we take our time and take in the whole album, 
paying close attention, we may find out about our collective psyche, the society that informed it, where we, the listeners, fit in to the world of this young man. Which begs the question, who is he? Welcome to Decode, a new podcast from the hit US show Dissect. This is how it works. We get deep inside an album, decoding it track by track, line by line, beat by beat, getting to know the ingredients which make a masterpiece. It works very effectively as a thesis statement for the podcast and therefore works really effectively as the first part of an entry because it sets up everything you're going to get afterwards. Yeah, I think that works very much for a documentary series, a limited run series, where you obviously trying to hook people in from minute one. Um, and then obviously for effing hormones, as we said earlier, you know, those, those hook ins, you know, th- th- if it can be implicit within the, the first clip you have as to what the subject matter is that you're talking about and just get people into it. That's the best thing. And then they can always scrabble around for the written entry if needs be to get a bit more context or the track listing indeed. One of the sort of interesting things about the entries from my perspective is that in some of them, particularly some of the ones towards the back half of uh, each entry, is it wasn't immediately clear what the topic of conversation was, which sounds like a bit of a potential misstep. But actually, the clips don't need to be, you don't need to be able to divine the sort of broader context of the conversation just from that one clip. If that one clip is trying to do a specific thing, you don't need to select clips that are standalone and entirely self-explanatory. Yeah, sometimes you don't need to tell people what you're doing. You just need to do it and they'll pick it up. It can be hard. Not every clip of every podcast will, will be able to do that. I think, as Matt was saying earlier, like surprising people by getting into the meat of something where it isn't entirely obvious what, what's going on, but you pick it up really quickly can be very powerful. Also, it can go the wrong way if you start in the middle of something and then after a minute, you still haven't got a clue what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I, think this, I think this is where it's really useful to, to play your entries to people unconnected with the shows. So if you do do something like that, you play it to your mum or someone in the office, like, do you understand what this was about? And then you better measure their reaction and decide whether that's that's something you want to include in your entry. The famous Matt Deegan mum test. Yes. <laughs> I mean, when you stand back and look at both of these entries and the wider winners of the awards last year and in any year, really, you can't help but look at those and say that the judges really care and know what they're talking about. The citations on the website will give you an idea as to what they've found fascinating about the entries if you do have an opportunity to listen to an entry and indeed you can ask you know each of the participants they they, they might send you a copy to give you a sense of it if you work for an organization that has put in entries before it might be worth asking one of their colleagues see if that might help it is immediately apparent on listing why these are winners and it's not always the same thing in every category and it does depend but I think the important thing is that the judges in each category really care about connecting the best podcast with 
the best audience for it. So for well-being, that is a slightly different set of criteria as it's trying to meet people who need a well-being podcast in their life to to improve their health or mental well-being. And so that's what people will be looking for. That's what judges will be looking for in that category. And similarly, if it's a show which is for many years, the category was smartest podcast. Uh, it is best factual these days, which I suppose is a bit more but grown up. But essentially, the idea is the same, which is that the winner of that category will always make you go away thinking about what you've heard and improve your general intelligence and understanding of the world. And so think about, does your entry do that? I think the last thing to, to leave with people is this idea of, of care, you know, really caring about what's in your show and then also what goes in in your entry I'm not saying it doesn't happen but things that are put together at the last minute maybe don't do so well as the stuff that people have thought about or allow themselves to think about it a bit and then maybe go in for another re-edit the awards are a competitive process lots of other people will be doing this and thinking about it if you don't then it's probably a bit of a bit of a waste and also i've been in a situation with awards where i go back through the material and just think I'm actually not sure we've got the right kind of stuff for this. And it makes me think a bit more about my podcast or my program so that the next year I have got the right material. I think entering awards, whether you're nominated or win, is is one thing. But actually even just thinking about your material uh, and putting together some clips has real value for improving your, your show on a day-to-day basis. Well, sadly, I'm afraid we will have to leave it there for this episode. My thanks once again to Matt Hill and Matt Deegan for joining me. And thank you also to the team from Decode and FN Hormones for very kindly sharing their entries with us and allowing us to dissect and analyze them. To FN Decode them. (laughs) Indeed. As a reminder, you can find the entry pack for the British Podcast Awards 2023 on the British Podcast Awards website. You can find more information about the awards and about podcasting in general over on podpod.com. And uh, as a reminder of the cutoff dates for entries, the final date is May the 18th. So do get working on those entries if you haven't already started. The final episode of this series will be about what happens after you win your award, where we will be talking to some previous winners about how their wins have affected them. So stay tuned for that, and we will see you next time. Pod, 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 pod.